Hi, everyone. My name is Dr. Rita Roy, CEO at the National Spine Health Foundation, and I'm your host for the Get Back to It podcast, where we tell real stories of healing and recovery. What does it mean to get back to it? It means overcoming spinal conditions through treatments that work in order to return to the people and activities you love, whatever that looks like for you. It means getting back to your life. We're here to share the success stories of those who did just that. And some of these stories you're not going to believe. At the Get Back to It podcast, our goal is to tell stories of spinal champions who've been able to achieve a better quality of life through spinal health care. Today, I'm so excited to be speaking with spinal champion Tim Heller. Tim is joining us from Austin, Texas. He has a background in stage acting, but had to stop at a young age due to back pain. He pivoted to another successful career in the performing arts. We'll give you a hint. You'll probably recognize his voice. Tim recently underwent a successful hybrid surgery, and he's here to tell us all about the process and what it took to get to where he is now. Now that you know what to expect, let's dive into Tim's story. Back in September of 2010, Tim started feeling what he perceived as a tightness in his lower left back and glute. It gradually got worse to the point where, when he'd be in a dance class, his legs would buckle under him. I would wake up in the morning unable to move because of the pain. Over the period of the next few months, I developed radiating pain from my back to my toes without any relief. As an actor who grew up playing sports and doing dance and musical theater, Tim was used to moving and being very active. The back symptoms were slowly limiting how much he could do. The next thing I knew, the pain started affecting the muscles in my left leg, ultimately leading to numbness down my entire leg. I was told I needed to leave my dance and theater career behind, and after that, I had to miss gatherings, travel opportunities, work opportunities, and more because I was either in pain or constantly afraid of a flare-up that would leave me debilitated for a week or more. Around the time his symptoms began in 2010, Tim sought treatment with a PT and chiropractor. He was managing his pain. The flare-ups would last a few days, and then he'd be right back to the gym and dancing. It wasn't until December 2012 that he got an MRI because the nerve pain hadn't stopped in six months. It was at this point that his medical team found out how severe the discs had herniated. It was my L4-5, L5-S1 discs at the bottom of my spine that were herniated. The doctor actually told me he was surprised that I could even walk and hadn't lost control of my bladder and bowels because of the severity. Although I was getting treated with a chiropractor and PT for two years prior, in hindsight, I feel like the type of chiropractor I went to may have actually done more damage than help. From 2013 to 2018, Tim tried dozens of different treatments and remedies, seeking something that would resolve his pain. He started with a microdiscectomy at L4, L5, L5, S1, but still had a long journey ahead. Amidst dozens of flare-ups with weeks worth of time bedridden and missing work, I tried more PT, acupuncture, meditation, TENS therapy, craniosacral therapy, which actually helped more than anything else, herbal remedies, diets, you name it, I tried at least twice. In March of 2018, after eight years of treatment seeking, Tim lost all feeling in his left leg after weeks of terrible pain. 
he needed to have another microdiscectomy at L4, L5. I'd love to say that that helped me more permanently, but exactly a year to the day after my second surgery, I had pain so extreme that I was incapacitated and needed to be taken to the hospital for two cortisone shots. A year following the cortisone shots, I had intradiscal stem cell injections in June of 2020. Fast forward to June of this year. Tim has just gone through a hybrid surgery, artificial disc replacement and fusion in his lower back and at the same levels. The hybrid fusion most recently has given me the most relief and hope of all my treatments. I now feel strong and pain-free only 12 weeks after surgery, and I've heard that it only gets better. All of the treatments I've received over the last 11 years have changed my life by making me a more patient person, more open-minded, and more emotionally literate. Having come out on the other side of the surgery, which is no small undertaking, even though it can greatly improve the patient's life, Tim offers us some wisdom. Don't give up hope. Even during the darkest times when I felt like the pain would never end, when I had resigned myself to a life of pain and being unable to pursue the dreams I had since I was a kid, I always found hope again. Whether I had to rustle it up myself or, more often than not, have my loved ones and community help lift me up again, I always found it in the end. Also, find community. I felt like, and was told by several doctors, that I was the only one my age going through what I was going through and they didn't know what to do with me. I found a Facebook group, ultimately, that totally changed my perspective and, again, reintroduced hope. Tim, I'm amazed by your resilience. You are so young, and this journey has spanned over significant years in your life and your career, and yet you've managed to stay positive, realistic. You found your voice, literally. Um, You pivoted your career due to back pain. Right. And and you talked about changing what you'd, you had dreamed of doing since you were a kid. So, Tim, let's talk a little bit about how your patient journey sort of changed your definition of your dreams. Absolutely. Um, so ever since I was a little kid, I knew I wanted to be an actor and going through everything that I've had to go through with my back started to kind of change and morph those dreams into something different, seeing that I had kind of resigned myself to not being able to move in the way that I wanted to move. But ultimately, the silver lining in all of that is it pushed me towards where I feel like I'm supposed to be, which is in the world of voiceover. It was ultimately past the the initial dismay and sadness and kind of mourning of a career I thought I would have, um, found a gift in, in the career that I've been able to be so lucky to call home. It's amazing how things happen in your life and you make choices based on what's in front of you. And um, I just love how positive you are, Tim, that all the experiences that you've, you've had have led you to the perfect place for you. And although nobody wants to go through what you've been through with your back and with the pain and the, the fear of the flare-ups and so forth, just your I just think your positive way of dealing with it, like, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this and, and finding, you know, finding your place and, and finding what's right for you has, you know, ironically, I think because of your resilience, because of your positive nature created the perfect career for yourself. And so that's just an amazing, amazing story. Thank you. It's so hard to stay positive. It's so hard to just keep going. And I'm really taken by, um, 
you know, something that you said, you're, you're so young to be going through this. And, you know, oftentimes we think of back issues affecting older people. And the reality is that it, it can affect anybody at any time for a variety of different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me what that was like, you know, just, just being young and being told if you're going to need back surgery. What was that like? Yeah. You know, ultimately it was kind of scary. Um, the first back surgery was still while I was a junior in college. And so I, at that point, you know, I was in great shape. I was moving a lot still and still forcing myself to get to the gym. And so, uh, initially I was like, ah, oh, you know, I'm yeah, fine, whatever. They're like, I'll, I'll do this. It'll be quick. And then I'll be back at it again. But after recovering from that surgery and kind of getting back into athletic endeavors and dance and, um, kind of realizing like kind of the muscular atrophy that had occurred, I was like, oh, things might be a little different now. But at that point I was still kind of just letting the water roll off my back and rolling with the punches and like, all right, cool. I'll take what I have and work with it and figure it out. And, you know, along with that positivity, I don't want anybody listening or watching to think that it's just been, everything has been silver linings and rainbows with this whole thing. It is, you know, it is, it, it's hard. The, the physical pain is hard, but the mental health side of all of this is also incredibly difficult, if not more difficult than the pain. Yeah, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you're you're mentioning that. And and that's what I'm speaking to. Like it's so amazing that you were able to stay positive throughout because yeah, the, the mental health component is is so devastating. Yeah. And honest, like what like I mentioned, the craniosacral therapy is something that really helped with the emotional literacy in all of this. Just knowing like where I'm holding anger, where I'm holding fear, where I'm holding sadness and not doing my uh, typical Midwestern push it down until you don't feel it anymore until it bubbles up <laughs> approach to emotional, emotional processing. Yeah. Typical guy, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Tell me about the craniosacral therapy. I don't know a lot about that. I'd like to hear more about that. Yeah. And I feel like I only know the tip of the iceberg, but I've been you know lucky enough that my mother-in-law is a, um, a craniosacral diplomat, which is like kind of the top tier of, of therapists. Wow. She uh, graduated with her doctor in physical therapy and found a calling in craniosacral therapy, which is almost like light touch therapy mixed with like therapy therapy almost. But it's just listening to the craniosacral rhythm in your body and how your bones move when you breathe and how your organs are moving when you breathe and just um, and finding these pockets of emotional trauma or, or uh, emotional resistance that are being held in different parts of your body and and it really goes hand in hand with chronic pain, you know, especially chronic back pain. In in my case and in many other people's cases, obviously there are some pretty severe physical issues that are happening, but it definitely helps to be able to move through and with your emotions along a physical pain journey, a chronic pain journey. It makes everything a lot easier and it allows you to I feel like be more present with your pain and really know like, okay, am I hurting because I'm, I'm afraid or because I'm anxious or I'm angry at my back or is it, okay, this is actually like a flare up that I need to deal with, with a medical professional or lying down or however one needs to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I feel like it's so important to, instead of pushing those feelings and fears and emotions down, acknowledge that they're there, say, Hey, you can stay for a while, do what you need to do, but I'm not going to let you stay for any longer than I, than I need you to, uh, in order to heal. So 
That's amazing. And so what are, what are those sessions like? Are they, is it like a physical therapy session where you, you go to an appointment and, or, you know, or is it, is it more like a meditation? Is it more like a massage? What's, what's it, what's it like? Yeah, it's kind of unique. It's like, um, you know, so you go to an appointment and you go meet with your therapist and you, you lay down on a massage table or a table and then it's light touch. So they'll place their hands lightly like on your chest or typically they'll start at your feet um, and just kind of feel where your body is holding this tension. And then they'll help coach you through uh, how to communicate. Wow. For people who have aren't used to expressing their emotions and, or who push them down. Like I used to do a lot and and still do just by default. It's a little scary at first and can kind of feel a little strange, but it's man, has it helped me so much. I've done a lot of sessions and it's helped me so much with releasing a lot of. That's incredible. Yeah. It's really, it's really, I feel like a little bit of a mix of East and West medicine and it's growing in popularity. And I, I swear by it. I wish everybody could have it be a part of their back pain journey. Yeah. I'm so fascinated by this. So Tim, is it a little bit like, I guess what I think of biofeedback and someone sort of coaching you through that and find the sources of tension, understand how to, what your body is doing and releasing tension and breathing. Breathe, I think breathing is probably part of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not necessarily like focusing deeply on your breath. It's more so like allowing your body to be in its natural state and to feel what it's feeling and to learn to acknowledge what it's feeling and identify what it's feeling where. Yeah, it's it's been incredibly helpful. And so, Tim, you've had this last surgery 12 weeks ago from the time that we're, we're talking now, and you look like you're doing great. Sounds like you're doing great. <laughs> Thanks. I feel, I feel pretty good. And this was a big operation. So this, this was a disc replacement and a fusion. It's called a hybrid because you're doing two things, two different levels. And tell me about the decision-making process for doing, for going forward with this surgery. Oh boy. Yeah. And then I also want to know, is cranial sacral therapy still part of your healing after the surgery? So kind of, I'm kind of loading two questions in here. So maybe the first question is, tell me about the journey in making the decision to have the surgery, finding your surgeon you've already had a couple of surgeries and now you're thinking, now I need another surgery. What, what did that journey look like? Yeah, absolutely. And so the decision-making process, I think really starts back in 2019 after that uh, flare up at the year after I had that second microdiscectomy, I had contacted my surgeon in New York city uh, who was wonderful and, and their whole treatment team was amazing at Wild Cornell. I, called him and was like, Hey, I'm, I'm really, really scared because I'm such bad pain. It feels like I never had any relief. I still have pretty severe numbness in my leg. What do I do? And he said, really all that I can think of to do would be to fuse both levels, but you're so young at that time I was 20 about to turn 27. And he said, I totally understand if you're nervous and don't want to do this and want to explore other options and other holistic options as well. I support you in whatever you need to do. And so I, I felt like I needed to dedicate time and, and resources to exploring those other options. So for the next couple of years, we tried everything, you know, like I said, it's, uh, and we've discussed before, uh, I really went through all of the different options and 
we were looking at primarily stem cells uh, for uh, after exploring other like acupuncture, physical therapy, working with a trainer. Right. And so the stem cell injections got me about five, six months of pain-free time and with working with an athletic trainer and I was feeling really optimistic. And then when that wore off, it was like a light switch and the pain was back and the numbness was even worse. So were, the, were your doctors helping you identify treatment options or were you doing that research on your own or... Doing that research on my own, and um, my father-in-law is uh, a surgeon here in Texas, and so he's well-connected with the community here, and my parents back in Chicago were sending me different articles. So we have I've been really fortunate to have a really wonderful support team through this entire thing. And so we were looking at doing more stem cell injections like directly into the disc again, seeing if that would be kind of a bi-yearly thing, but all the people that we talked to and that uh, everybody on our little support team had spoken with said that there wasn't enough original tissue left in my discs to actually regenerate. And if they stopped any kind of further degeneration, I'd still be in pain. So we got connected to Dr. Geyer through my uh, pain specialist here in Texas, who was doing the stem cells and looked at the scans, looked at my back. And he said, this is kind of the, you know, this is what I would recommend for somebody your age. And I've done this on, I've done this procedure on people uh, 10 years younger than you. Wow. And had really great success. And that really put my mind at ease, you know, and especially looking into who he is and who the, who the uh, Texas Back Institute is and some of their high profile success stories, stories, um, as scary as it was all the way up until the moment, up, up until the day before surgery, I knew deep down and had this deep seated feeling of comfort or peace with them. Just I trusted them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that trust is so, so important. Um, it's a big, big procedure, you know, to go through. And, um, and in, in many ways, it's a very intimate relationship, you know, with your surgeon. Yeah. And, and you've got to feel really comfortable with what, what decision you've made and, and moving forward with a, a big surgery like that. And I have to say, I personally know Dr. Geyer and, and think the world of him and, um, definitely we're in good hands there for sure. So yeah, he and his team definitely have a way of, of putting you at ease almost immediately after meeting them, whether that's through online portals or in person, but yeah. Yeah. And, and we talk about that so much here at the foundation about, you know, finding the right doctor for you. How do you find the right doctor for you? How do you know you're at the right spine surgeon for you? And so much of that is that feeling that you have, that you have to feel good about it. And I wanted to talk a little bit about the support um, system that, that you had, and you've, you've shared some of that. I think, you know, many people are not as lucky as you are to have healthcare folks in their family and around them. But some of our, our specialists will say, talk to doctors, you know, a neighbor or a friend of a friend or a family member that's in the medical field and talk to doctors, talk to nurses. They are a great source of helping you know, you know, sort of who the right doctors are and who the good doctors are. Cause that's, that's a tricky thing. You want to know that you're in the right place in in the right hands. It's overwhelming because there are so many, there's so many opinions. And especially now in this, I mean, the internet is a, is a wonderful and scary thing, right? And it's most of us only interact with just the tip of the tip of the iceberg on there. Absolutely. Talk to doctors, speak with nurses, PAs, uh, anybody in the medical profession, like the more people you talk to, the more information you'll get. And the more you'll be able to kind of sift through and find what works best for you. And honestly, finding, 
you know, I've had a lot of people reach out to me unexpectedly through social media just because I posted kind of just a couple things about my journey with this for people who know me really well. And then also for just to let clients know in, in, in the voiceover world, like, Hey, this is why I'm, I'm going to be unreachable for a, a short period of time here. But people have found those posts and reached out from all over the world to say, who is your doctor? How do I find help? I'm in pain. I'm on my last leg. Like it's hard to go on like this. Isn't that and incredible? That's just, oh. it's wild. It's, I never, something I never expected just like, man, yeah, you know, I'm a remarkably average person from the Midwest and, and people are reaching out about this. Well, that's why we are, we're so excited to know you and have you be part of our community. Um, like you, Tim, I'm a spinal champion. I had a fusion at L4, L5 about four years ago, and I, I felt confused, overwhelmed, isolated, and I'm a surgeon by training. <laughs> so, if, you know, I, and I thought, if I'm feeling this way, I'm sure other people are feeling this way. And where do you go for help? Where do you, where do you find information? How do you know it's the right information? And, and it's just, there's an overwhelming amount of information out there. And at the end of the day, I didn't want to read voluminous brochureware from all the top medical centers, which I was grateful that that was out there, but I wanted to talk to people. I wanted to hear from other people that had been through it and kind of hear their stories and like, what worked for you? How did you do it? What, what did you, you know, what did you do for PT? You know, how long did you wear a brace at all? You know, did you have a toilet seat at home? Like, you know, I just needed some like practical advice on things. And, and then as I started digging into it, I was like, oh my gosh, there's so many people who have these conditions. How come we don't know more about this? Yeah, it's crazy. Right? Like, why isn't there, you know, the American Heart Association of Spine? And so that's kind of what we're doing here at the National Spine Health Foundation is really wanting to be a source of hope and inspiration and information for the millions of people. Uh, you know, we say you or someone you know is probably suffering with a neck or back condition because yeah. it's 100 million Americans every year. 100 million, how many is that? That's one third of our, we've got our populations about 313 million. That's one in three people. Yeah. I mean, and the second you have back pain and you let somebody know you have back pain, anybody out there listening to this who's said, oh man, I can't come to work today because my back is hurting. Or, you know, the unsolicited advice that you get from everybody who's like, oh yeah, you know, I, uh, I actually know somebody who knows somebody who has back pain and they said that you should do this. And it's like, oh yeah, yep, I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's everything from topical creams to ibuprofens and Note yoga. Oh, yeah. Starting there <laughs> to injections to, you know, surgeries and the right surgery. And, you know, oh my gosh, it, it is overwhelming. And so I, that's why we're doing this. That's why I'm passionate about what we're doing. I love it. And I'm so, so happy that you've, you've joined us, Tim. And again, you know, in your demographic, uh, in your age group, it's so important for people to hear whether it's, you know, athletic injuries, you know, car accidents, genetics, who knows? There are reasons. Yeah. In my case, it was genetics too. And that's something I was just racking my brain for years of like, well, what did I do? Did I do anything? Cause I don't remember getting injured. Right. Right. But yeah, so it, thank you for, thank you for having me be a part of this. I'm, I'm excited to help in any way I can. And, and I'm here for people to reach out to if they need help with any of this. That's awesome, Tim. Couple, couple more quick questions. I know I'm taking up so much of your time today. I could talk all day. <laughs> yeah. 
No, I am I am here for y'all. So I I have had my sessions today. It is Friday. We can chat. So <laughs> All right. All right. Great. Um so tell me about your um post-operative recovery and sort of, you know, you've you had a couple surgeries, you know, now you've had this third one. This is sort of the definitive one, right? Yes. Um so you're heading into recovery. Are you in physical therapy? What are you doing to heal and you know what feels different this time or maybe the same? As, as your previous surgeries. Can you talk a little bit about your recovery? Absolutely. Yeah. So with the microdiscectomies, both were very similar recovery periods. It was about six weeks, six to eight weeks of recovery. Usually around like the five week mark, you feel pretty good. And luckily, because there's no like hardware or anything that's involved with it. And it's a scar about the size of like a lima bean on your back. It's pretty quick. With this one, it's definitely more involved. So I'd say the two biggest things in terms of right after surgery that hurt and that I was feeling the most were the scar or the incision site from the belly button about four to five inches down to my waist and all the organs on the inside just kind of having to be moved to the side. It really was uncomfortable uh, and the incision itself hurt and then the throbbing in the back where they installed the hardware hurt for the first two to three weeks. Uh, just as everything was getting used to each other back there. But I was up walking around the day after, I mean, the day of surgery, just a couple hours after. Oh my gosh. The nurses came in. They're like, all right, it's time to get up. You can't go home until you pee and fart. So I was like, great, let's get on it. And so we were walking every, I think it was every, oh gosh, every hour. I was definitely on a lot of meds afterwards. So I don't remember super clearly, but I was walking a lot. I was drinking a lot of water, able to go to the bathroom, all of that stuff. And then isn't that amazing? It's just so cool, right? Science. It's just really cool. (laughs) We're like the miracles of modern spinal healthcare. Like I feel so cliche when I say that, but I, it's true. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. Yeah, you hear, you think fusion and, and artificial disc, and you picture those hospital beds and cartoons where your whole body's in a cast, <laughs> can't walk for weeks. But they were like, no, you need to be walking every day, several times a day. And so those first two weeks of recovery were definitely the hardest. Mm-hmm. And I'd say up until the four week mark was pretty uncomfortable, but still do like not anything like I imagined it would be. Yeah. And, but there wasn't pain in your, in your leg, radiating down your leg. So that kind of pain. No pain from the second I came out of surgery, you know, because I gained almost an inch in height because my discs were so depleted. Yeah, I did too. I did too. I was like, heck yeah, officially six feet tall. Are you really? I'm five, three now. (laughs) (laughs) Hey. I mean, I'll take whatever I can, but it's, you know, they said that for over the next year, I'll probably feel some occasional nerve pain just because we're stretching it out. It's getting used mm-hmm. to the new, the new height and the mm-hmm. disc and all the trauma over the past 11 years. Right. So two weeks I started uh, physical therapy, uh, here in Austin. And that was wonderful to just be able to move again and no bending, no twisting, anything like that, but just kind of lifting up five to 10 pounds here and there, working our way up to 30 pounds over the course of the 12 weeks. And then at about the eight week mark, I started feeling great, like really, really good. That's awesome. No pain. I was not taking any Tylenol. I I also was off like heavy pain meds after about five, six days after surgery, which was my primary goal just because it, I don't like being knocked out like that. 
And then now I haven't had to wear my brace since about the eight week mark as well. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Yes, that's great. Yes. I feel great. I don't need to go to PT anymore. I'm like fully wrapped with that and training at home on on a stationary bike and doing some weightlifting and stuff like that. And then uh, at the six month mark in December, I'll be given the go ahead to uh, go fill, full tilt as Dr. Geyer says. So that's amazing. Well, I am so excited for you. I'm so happy Thanks. to hear that. And yes. I guess that the maybe four or five month mark, you'll be coming to Virginia hey. to take part. Yes. To take part in the, We've got your back, Gala. We can't wait to have you there. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Thank you again for asking me to be there. I am. I'm really, genuinely very excited to be there and to just uh, take it all in and some hopefully entertaining content to the evening and uh, and to meet all of you in person too. Yes, it's going to be great. Well, you know, one of the things that I love so much about the gala is that we need to celebrate the success of modern spinal health care. We need to celebrate it. Yes. And in celebration, so much good is done in spreading the good news about overcoming these conditions. And, you know, it's a journey for everybody, yeah. right? It's a journey. And yet, you know, you get on that journey and you can get better and you can get back to your life and it's possible. And, and so much of the time people want to share bad news about things, you know, so you, you know, you go on YouTube or you go on the internet and you, you're going to hear a lot of, you know, stories that are not positive. Oh yeah. Yeah. But we're here to tell the good news and it's so important that that voice be there. And it's so important to be sort of a beacon of hope for people and to let people know that we're here. And I think a celebration is a great way of, of doing that and, and sharing good news. You know, we are going to honor an innovator of the year. We're going to have uh, members of the industry, device makers will be there. Spinal champions will be there. Doctors will be there. Members of our medical and scientific board are going to come together. And we recognize and celebrate really the heroes, the scientists who make this possible. Engineering, you know, surgery, anesthesia, right? It's just, it's so many pieces that come together. And, and that is just, um, it's a blessing and it's a miracle. And I'm excited that, that we are the people who can celebrate that and can share that good news. And so excited for you to be part of it. I can't wait to, to see you in person at, at the gala and share all this good news. So it's wonderful. Yeah. I'm excited too. And that's, you know, I love what you said, we need to celebrate. And that two things came to mind shortly uh, uh, when you said that is that my wife looked at me, uh, you know, after about eight to 10 weeks of post-op from this past procedure and said, you know, Tim, you, you seem afraid to say that you're feeling good and that you seem kind of nervous to celebrate the success of this. And I said, yeah, you know what? You're right. And, and I do feel good. And I think I'm cautiously optimistic because of the past 11 years, but I'm just going to allow myself to feel good about this. And if I feel a little bit of pain, so be it. Yeah. But I feel great and I feel the best that I've felt in 11 years. And then the second thing was that right before the procedure and, and leading up to it was the first time that I had heard from somebody and it was the pain management specialist I was working with saying, you know, you don't have to live in pain. You don't have to feel like this. And that was the first time that somebody had told me that. And the first time that I really let it sink in 
too. Like, and I, I really like sat with that. And it, in the car ride home, I was like, oh my God, I don't have to live in pain. I don't have to live in pain. No, I don't. Uh, so, which is a really, it's a simple thing to say. I, I just have goosebumps just hearing that. It's so. Yeah. It's a simple thing to say. And a really interesting thing to process after being in pain nonstop for 11 years. <laughs> but it's so powerful. You, it doesn't have to be this way. Yeah. And it's like, really? I thought it had to be this way forever. Like I just had to get used to it. And, and that's so, that's such an important message. And that's a message that we, you know, that we want to put out there and we try to put out there and we're saying it over and over. It doesn't have to be this way. Yeah. There are solutions. There are treatments that will work and you've got to find them. You've got to do your part. You've got to educate yourself, then get it. And, and that's what we're trying to do here at the foundation is let people know that here's the range of treatments. Try them. Go non-operative. If surgery is what you need, find the right surgeon, you know, and it doesn't have to be a life of pain. Yeah. Yeah. So important. You can have pain in your life, but then you can leave it behind. So we need to celebrate. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> and it's it's worth a celebration. We're going to celebrate big October 22nd. It's going to be great. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Well, Tim, thank you for your time today. Um, it's been a joy hearing your story. Joyful ending to this story where we are now. Just the beginning of a new story to be written for you. Thank you for uh, listening. Yeah, thank you for going into so much depth with your story and and sharing so much of, of yourself so honestly and candidly. And again, I, I just so happy to know you and have you be part of our community. I can't wait to watch uh, what happens in your life, in the next chapter of your life, out of pain. Yes. We say, you know, at our gala, we say out of pain and into hope and a hopeful, optimistic future awaits. Thank you. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to see what else is coming down the line too. And thank you again for having me and uh, and listening to my story and and being interested and having me be part of the team. I'm really, really genuinely grateful to have uh, stumbled upon this relationship. So excited to see where this all goes as well. Awesome. Thank you, Tim. Yeah, thank you. At the National Spine Health Foundation, something we believe in most is providing hope for recovery through sharing stories of success and expertise. It isn't always easy to find someone to relate to, even though 100 million adults suffer from neck or low back pain every year. To hear more stories of spinal champion recovery and access educational materials about spine health, visit us at spinehealth.org. If you're interested in supporting our show financially, you can contribute at the link provided. Thank you for listening.